Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Good night. You're very welcome at the Youth Night of the Missionary Convention. Um, I feel like I know some of you, but the rest of you love to get the know. So after three, would you just shout out your names? I've got a pretty good um, sort of level of, of taking things in. So after three, one, two, three. Josh, really good to see you. Claire, you as well. Stephanie, where were you? Oh, it has to be. Stop being shy. You are here. No. Well, I'm going to tell you some stuff that's going to be happening later on. Um, we have some guys from Exodus here to share with us. I'm so sorry about the crowd tonight. Like last year, they were so much better, um, but they might warm up. We have uh, Mr. Harding from Glen Lola. He's a wee bit more receptive. Than that. We have Johnny McLaughlin from Hamilton Road Baptist Church. When you see his trousers, you'll cheer an awful lot more. That's all I've got to say about that. Uh, we have the Not One Way Band. These guys over here are going to be leading us in worship. Uh, we have freebie, so everybody in the way is going to get a free book. Oh, yes. Are there any students or anybody who's heading off to uni for the first time here? You get a goodie bag on the way out. In the goodie bag, there's some stuff, like books that you'll never read, but there's a packet of super noodles as well. And the biggest cheer is that afterwards we've got free pizza. Yeah. Hold on. There's more. It's not just any old pizza. It's from Piccolo's. Thank you to the banger ones. Um, what we're going to do is a quick game just to get you warmed up. So what this is called heads or tails. And uh, so what you need to do is stand up. So stand up. You're going to go heads or tails. Heads, you put your hands on your heads. Tails, you put your hands on your tails. I toss a coin. If you're wrong, you sit down. Okay? And we just keep going. Do we have a winner? Let's have a practice round. Who's ready for a practice round? Again, three people. This is going to go really, really well. So three, two, one, call. Heads. So thankfully, it was just a practice. Let's go again. This is for real. Three, two, one. No cheating, no changing. Tails. Three, two, one. Heads. Three, two, one. Tails. It's getting pretty tense now. Three, two, one. What's your name? Georgia. Make your mind up and stick with it. Where are you? Definitely heads. Three, two, one. Heads it is. How many have we got? One, two. Right, if you're still in, come up along here and stand in front of everybody. Here we go. Three, 
No cheating. Three, two, one. Tails it is. Here we go. Am I okay to come down here with the mic? Georgia, what's your name? Georgia. I already asked you that. Who are you? Emma. Aaron. Benjamin. Not Ben, but Benjamin. Oof. Right, and this is what you need. Georgia, are you listening to me? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I need a noise that describes you, right? Some noise that describes your character. Georgia, you're bound to go first. What, what noise? I don't know. Ah! Are you? Interesting. Right, here we go. Call three, two. Georgia, just play the game. Three, two, one. Someone needs to go tails. Given the peer pressure. Oh, heads it is. Right, here we go. Yours was awful, your noise. You go heads or tails? Your heads. Three, two, one. Tails it is. And that was. So, we're going to hand over to the band. Um, let's stand. They're going to pray. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to be here tonight, that we have the freedom to be here, to worship you, to meet in your name. We're conscious that elsewhere in the world today, people are being killed because they're your followers. So we don't take that privilege lightly. We ask that you would speak to us, you would draw us close to you, and you would challenge us in the area of mission. Amen.
are our cornerstone, that you're our rock, and that you're absolutely everything that we need. And we thank you, God, that no matter what we go through, our ups and our downs, God, that you're always there and you're working it out for good. So we thank you tonight for everything that you are. We praise you for everything that you are. And God, we want you to know tonight that we just think that you're great. So there's loads of missionary organizations and agencies involved in the missionary convention. If you have had enough pizza later and have time, uh, make your way over to the main, uh, the main venue. There's an exhibition area with loads and loads of stalls there with lots of information. We do have uh, a smaller amount uh, here just like in the, the entrance area. And some of the agencies are actually here and you can have a chat with them. Uh, one of the agencies here tonight is Exodus. I'm going to welcome them up to the stage. They're going to take the next slot. Let's welcome them. Thank you very much for your, your warm welcome. Uh, we want to speak on don't waste your summer. Uh, a, lot of, um, a lot of you guys sitting there will be just finishing uh, the end of maybe two months. Uh, maybe you're still at, you're at university and you're still going for that summer trying to uh, eke out the last few rays of sunshine uh, uh, right here in Bangor. But we want to challenge you uh, to not waste your summer and who better to do that than three people um, who in the last few years and especially this summer have, have not been wasting that um, but instead they've been uh, packing a full um, of, of serving God. So I want to just introduce Esther, James and Chalky and they're just going to share their story um, in three minutes uh, of the, the last few summers. Hello, I'm Esther. Um, I am working as an intern for Exodus this year, just started, um, uh, in the churches department. Um, but I've been involved um, over the last five years or so with doing missions in the summer, um, whether that be in school holidays or university holidays. Um, and I've been um, with Exodus to Romania quite a few times. Um, and I just want to share a little bit of what I've experienced. Um, I decided to go on my first mission team in 2010, the first overseas mission team. And um, why did I do that? Um, I wanted to serve God in another country. I wanted to experience a new culture. I wanted to grow in my own faith. And so I went to Romania and I just grew so much. Um, one of my highlights was a home visit. So we did a ministry where we went to different families within villages who um, were struggling to have enough food on the table, who um, maybe were widows and they didn't have family, they were lonely. Um, and we, we shared food, we brought a basic food parcel um, to those people and to see their faces when you arrive there and um, just that you've come all the way from Northern Ireland to spend like half an hour, so that some wee old lady, called, and there was one lady in particular called Lilica and she was just so overwhelmed. Her children had gone overseas um, to find work and her husband had died many years ago and she was just in tears. She couldn't understand why we would come all the way there just um, to spend time with her. And so we shared a Bible verse with her. We prayed with her. And there was a lot of tears, both in 
side and on her side. Um, but just to see that one life can be changed. Um, why we were there, then it was worth it. Another um, occasion, technical difficulties. Um, <laughs> um, another thing was kids clubs. We did run some kids clubs in Romania and this year we had the privilege to see 10 kids become Christians, give their lives to Jesus. And you know, that is the best thing ever. We changed, God used us to change some kids' lives. They're, they will never be the same. And that can be you as well if you decide to do mission in the summer and not waste your summer. Um, I learned so much and I grew. And through that, through those mission trips, short-term mission trips, God led me to, um, to go to Ghana. I just back in July, I went for 10 months and I was being a missionary there with um, Pace. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, but um, just to encourage you that you never know where those steps will take you. If you go on your first mission trip, your first, um, your first summer, you never know, five years down the line, you could be a missionary. You could, you never know where God will lead you. So I just encourage you um, to, to do missions in the summer because you'll never regret it. Um, it sounds as though someone's trying to break out of there. There's like a, a beating, so hopefully there's no one down there. Um, I'm James. Uh, I am also the intern uh, this year in church. It's called church something. Um, anyway, it's a terrible introduction. Um, but I, uh, this year I was a leader. Um, so believe it or not, I'm not actually 12. I'm 22. <laughs> Imagine. Um, and I led a team this year. Um, so just from a leader's perspective, um, I've led two teams now. Um, and this summer, I'm just going to uh, say about a, a story that I had of a guy that was on my team. Um, and he's called Matty. Um, I would say I've changed his name legally, but he's called Matty. Um, so if you want to find him, he's called Matty. Um, so Matty... Uh, we, we meet up um, 16 weeks or consecutively 16 weeks before we, we sort of go away. Um, and it's just a, it's a, a chance to sort of for us to really get into our heads. What are we actually doing here? We're going away in the summer, so it's to prepare yourself so you're not just sort of thrown into Romania and it's like, oh, great. Um, I have to read the Bible now. Um, but it's like, it, it's a discipleship process that we, that we go through. And we were, we were working along with everyone. Um, and Matty had this consistent look on his face. Um, the first night, he looked like this. The second night, he looked like this. The third, you can, you can see where that's going. Um, but every single night, Matty just seemed to be like, he just didn't want to be there. Um, and this is, we were sort of concerned. We'd sort of been going like, what? Like, this guy, he's not really engaging with other people. Like, he's a wee bit. Like, we were a wee bit sort of scared in case we had to, like, have a wee word with him or something. And uh, that, was, that was all right. We prayed about it a lot. Um, and one week, Matty came back. And I'm not joking you. Matty did not look the same. Suddenly, he was smiling. And suddenly he was like the first to pray. He was the first to read his Bible. He was like, he was the first to serve. And I, we were like, right, okay. Um, and it wasn't even a one-off. Matty just consistently started getting, he started praying more. He started encouraging us more. And everyone else on the team was actually so challenged that they started doing more as well. To the point whenever we were on team, it was honestly one of the most incredible teams I've ever been on because it was 10 young people um, and two leaders who were just completely on fire. Um, and there was one night whenever um, Matty, of course, who else, um, he started like, a, he was like, I really think we should pray. So we were praying away and, and during, during the course of the prayer, um, I just sort of pulled Matty aside and I asked him like, what happened um, that week? Because I'm not going to lie, 
you were smiling and there was, it was completely different what happened. And Matty had just said that it was throughout the course that he had sort of been trying to push through and he just decided that this time he was just gonna, this, is, this was his time. What he was gonna do is he was just gonna take it all on board. He wasn't gonna give it a slight bit to Jesus. He wasn't gonna give him a slight bit of his life. But Matty had decided that if he was gonna make an impact on this team, that he was just gonna go all out. And my goodness, God just rewarded it. God used Matty in ways that uh, completely humbled me. And it was amazing to see that. Um, so my advice would be um, in not wasting your summer, don't, not even, don't reduce it to summer. Why not just not waste now before you go to your schools and stuff? But Exodus is a fantastic way of doing that. Um, not that we're any better than any other organization or anything like that there, but God just really, um, he uses leaders, he uses people. So I'd really encourage you, um, if you want to be like Matty and smile, <laughs> you can do an Exodus team, but uh, talk to us later, sure, why not? Hey, guys. Um, you have heard about Romania. I am from Romania. <laughs> so um, I'm Chucky or David or whatever. <laughs> well, Chucky is my nickname, so that's fine. Um, and I, I see there are quite lots young, well, young, youngsters. And I'd just like to say a few thoughts about camps. Because uh, maybe you're not old enough to do teams or to, to serve. But there, there is camp which actually for me means means a lot. Um, I'm coming from a really great and really blessed congregation in Romania. And um, uh, my church has a camp place in a mountain in the heart of Romania. And that place is really important for me. Um, we used to do camps there each year with 200 youngsters. And uh, those camps really changed my life. Um, we are doing camps for maybe 10 years, but I'm attending camps for six years. And well, those were really amazing camps for me. So a few years ago, I was just, well, a totally different person. I, I didn't serve, I was, not, uh, I was not able to do anything, but now I'm here away from my home. I'm just here for two weeks, so I just came two weeks ago. And well, I think camp is not that long as for example, a team like preparing and all these stuff, but it really can change your life. So I encourage you to do camps, to go to camps, because they really can have an impact on your life. So um, I'm gonna get each of these guys to just turn around and show the logo, the Take Your Place logo on on the back of their T-shirts. So this year, um, as an organisation, we've had this as um, as our theme for the year. So you guys can can grab a seat, thank you very much. If you wanna give them a round of applause. I, I don't wanna to add too much to what they've said and the challenge that they've left, um, but our theme this year is take your place. Take your place uh, in the kingdom of God. Uh, take your place on the adventure that God calls us to. Uh, take your place of having, having a purpose, uh, which is to make Jesus famous, make Jesus known and glorified throughout this world. You're all, most of you will be from, from Northern Ireland, maybe with the exception of Chalky, um, who, who's here to serve for a year. Um, but all of you have the opportunity to serve. Um, Andy's already said there's about 40 agencies um, across in, in the main hall. There's so many opportunities. Uh, for you who have uh, two months or three months summer, uh, you have so much time and so many opportunities. So I, I would urge you uh, to take your place, 
take your place uh, this year during school, uh, take your place next summer, um, and grab that opportunity and serve. Um, as these three have already said, um, Exodus are hoping to provide an exciting opportunity um, in Bangor next summer, and that will be starting, the team uh, meets for 16 weeks, so that will be starting um, in January time. So if you want more information on that, uh, come and speak to these guys. Uh, but other than that, we've, we've got a few questions, uh, which will be on the screen, um, and they're just questions that if you want to turn around with the group uh, that you came with, uh, turn around in your seats and just spend a couple of, of minutes answering these few questions. So what opportunities have, have shaped this summer? And looking ahead, um, what, what can shape next summer? Uh, what does a successful summer for you look like? Perhaps you have done something this summer that, that has been really worthwhile and you'd love to share it with other people and you'd love to do it again. Or perhaps there's an opportunity out there uh, with one of the organizations that's here uh, that you would love to get involved with next year. Uh, so I'd, I'd say chat to, tell, chat to the people that you are around you, see what they've done this summer, uh, see what's been worthwhile and get involved with that uh, in the years to come. So those questions are gonna be on the screen. Uh, if you wanna take five or 10 minutes and then uh, Andy will move on uh, to the next, the next part of the program. Come on, I'm back. That's enough fun and frivolity for a wee while. Actually, let's have another, another game. Uh, this is, you know, this one. Uh, rock, paper, scissors. Okay. The, the first ever annual missionary convention rock, paper, scissors annual tournament competition. And you, you know how to play it. Right? You're not on your head, but there's different rules and different ways to do it. So rock beats... Scissors, scissors beat, paper, paper beats. And the way we're doing it tonight, and you can argue if you want, but this is the way we're doing it. We go rock, paper, scissors, go. Okay, not like rock, paper. It's, right, practice with me, okay? Rock, paper, Holy, you guys weren't listening. Exodus, too quick, with me. Rock, paper, scissors, Okay, get a partner, person beside you, onto your feet. We're going in five, four, three, two, one. Rock, paper, scissors. If it was a tie, go again. If it was a tie, go again. Go yourselves. Okay, find another partner if you're still on your feet. Okay, here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. Rock. Paper, scissors. Okay, if you're a loser, take your seat. Find another partner. Three, two, one. Rock, paper, scissors, go. Find another partner. Find another partner. Five, four, three, two, one. Rock, paper, scissors. Hold on a wee minute. Which part of find another? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Find another partner. Come on. You wait there. Quick, quick, quick. Five, four, three, two, one. Right, who's still in? Who's still in? Why is there three people over there standing? Do you need to find somebody? Come on up to the... 
just you wait here. Are you still in? So we've got three, three. You were cheating, Wayne, sit down. I'm gonna go against you, ready? Ready, five, four, three, two, one. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh. Oh, I'm out, I'm out. Right, hold on, wait, I haven't said go, excuse me, excuse me. I have the microphone and I haven't said go yet. Okay, you two over there, you two over here. This is the semi-final, what's your name? Oliver. Jay. Here we go. Are you ready? Are you excited? Can you feel the tension in the air? You can cut it with a knife. Here we go, everybody join in. Five, four, three, two, one. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh, is that a tie? Did someone win here? Tie again. Three, two, one. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh, come on up onto the stage. Come on up. Here we go. Right. Shh. Where are you from? Um, Northern Ireland. From Northern Ireland? <laughs> like, do you want to narrow it down a wee bit? Donagaday. What's the best ice cream, mods or the cabin? Mods. Controversial. Where are you from? Bangor. From Bangor. What's better, Bangor or Donagaday? Bangor. Yeah, you're right. Here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Everybody else ready? Well, look at that there. Aff. Right, let's go. Five, four, three, two, one. Rock, paper, scissors. Banger wins. Oh, yeah. Well done. So you can go home, and if nothing else happens, you can tell people that you were there the first ever time we did rock, paper, scissors at the missionary convention. Um, so we've heard from Exodus. How many people have not yet ever done some sort of team in their summer? Put your hand up. Do you want to have a wee look, just so you know who they are? Okay. As the guy said, if you're interested in finding out more, chat to them afterwards. It's great tonight to have Mr. Harding from Glenlula Collegiate. He's not here to check up uh, on anybody. Um, he's here to talk to us about, well not me because I'm away a bit past being at school. Uh, don't waste uh, your time at school. So let's welcome Mr. Harding to the stage. I can't help but feel like that weird distant uncle that's been invited to a wedding that nobody wants to talk to. Like to bring a teacher to a youth event is just a little bit uh, unfortunate for many. So it's great for me to recognize faces, past and present pupils um, of Glenola. I've been invited to share a little bit about um, the role of Scripture Union. Um, and I suppose I can't really do that just as a teacher because my involvement with Scripture Union goes long, long, long beyond um, just... Uh, being involved as a teacher in school in Glenola. Um, I would say, Chucky said that actually because of camps, his life is different. Um, and I can honestly say that because of Scripture Union, my life is different. Um, I was really blessed to go to a school where Scripture Union was really strong. There was loads of Christian teachers, loads of camps, uh, loads of uh, retreat weekends. Um, but the teachers really impressed on us the need to kind of get involved and be creative uh, and take ownership over our own Scripture Union. And we would have taken days away to kind of plan and prepare for assemblies or special events. And we really saw God use us. And because of that, 
Um, I will honestly say that the friends I have today that I would say are my closest friends, the ones that I would go to um, with kind of um, well, with anything really, are the friends that I made at school. And we constantly joke about how other than Jesus, we have nothing in common. There's nothing else that would have brought us together at school. We weren't all in the same kind of group, but our faith brought us together. And because we prayed together and shared life together, um, we're really bound to each other. And we've continued to share life many, many, many years after school. I met my wife through SU, so I have a lot to thank SU for, um, which means I didn't go to an all-boys school. Um, but today I want to just share a few. I was kind of asked to give some do's and don'ts about being involved in Scripture Union. And I suppose my first do would be get involved. It's your school. We've heard a lot about the summer and about how you have loads of time in the summer. Did anyone want to have a stab in the dark? Don't do a mathematical calculation unless you're a genius. How many hours do you spend per year in school, roughly? To the nearest hundred? 5,000 hours a year? No. It's going to sound like a massive anticlimax after that. How many? Too many. That's a great answer. I'll see you tomorrow. Um, 1,200 hours. 1,200 hours in an academic year. 190 days spent in school uniform. Multiply that by five or seven. That's a lot of days, a lot of uniforms, and a lot of hours. But what a blessing it is to actually get involved in your scripture union. Now, in schools, we talk a lot about preparing you for the future. Um, about schools being a place where you learn about life and work. And we even have a subject now called Learning for Life and Work. That I don't grow. Um, citizenship, employability, personal development. It's a joy, isn't it a joy? It's a, it's a joy. But in many ways, school is a training ground. It's a training ground for life. It's a training ground where you practice maybe what profession you might have, what kind of person you want to be, what skills you want to have. And I really believe that Scripture Union is a great training ground for preparing you for what life has in store, what God has in store in life, um, and not waiting until, well, when you leave school, you'll be old enough to do it, what you think God might have for you, but to really grab hold of that now. So whether you're still in school or you're at university and, and part of your CU, I would say get involved. I would say be creative. Look around you. What makes people tick in your school? And every school is different. And when you hear from teachers from different schools or you hear from pupils from different schools, you see that some things work in one school that don't work in another. We have a bit of a theme sometimes in our school that, uh, certainly with the senior issue, that there's a food-related theme because that seems to draw pupils in, and that may work in other schools. So we've got things like prayer, praise, and um, pizza. That would be the food element. Um, or tea, toast, and testimony, which in a girl's school is ridiculously popular. Um, but maybe food is a thing that will hook people to get them involved um, and to be creative about that. Be inclusive be inclusive. There's nothing worse than an SU group where someone comes along and just feels like they don't fit. Uh, the back of your shirt say, take your place. There is a place for you. If you've never been to your SU, your SU will be richer and blessed because you're in it, regardless of what you feel that you have to offer. So get involved, take your place, and um, allow it to be richer because of you. Contribute and get involved. Um, be inclusive within the year groups. There's nothing worse than an issue where everyone sits in their year groups, comes, sits with their friends, talks about their subjects, then leaves again. 
Um, so get involved and be inclusive. In, in our school, there's a lot of freedoms at, at times to, to use the SU to share. And there's been some amazing experiences over recent years where girls have really taken it upon themselves to pray and to think of ways of creatively sharing the gospel. And I would challenge you in your school that if there isn't a very big issue, get involved, you will make it bigger. Um, pray, because that's when things happen. We are not in the business of changing other people's lives. If it's down to us, we may as well go home. But by inviting God into our school, into our classrooms, into our friendships, into our studies, into the corridor, into the locker area, into the lunchroom, by inviting God into every aspect of our school, we will see a difference. And we've seen so many differences within our school where um, we've taken an assembly and the girls have prayed and just stepped out in faith, not really knowing what's going to happen or how it's going to be received. And they've really been bold and confident and creative. And God has really blessed them. God is in the business of answering prayer, blessing his people, showing up at the right time and, and, and changing and making differences. We sang tonight Cornerstone where we focused on how God is the center of everything and should be the center of our lives. How awesome would it be if God was the cornerstone of our every school? And we're blessed in Bangor with many Christian teachers in every school and of course Christian students, but getting together is a great, unique opportunity. So I'd say get involved, take your place, be creative, be bold, be confident, don't shy away and never be apologetic for the faith that you have. In every school, I guarantee it, in every corridor, in every one of your classes, in every time you walk past a group of kids, there are kids hurting in every school. Kids going through the stuff that you will never see on the outside, they may never share, they may never see, but they're watching you. They're watching the Christian students to see, is there any difference? Um, are there, is there any purpose really in being involved in SU? Is there any purpose in having Jesus in my life? And there are kids hurting who are crying out for friends, who are crying out for involvement, who are crying out for community and belonging, and they're crying out for Jesus to save them. And we have an amazing opportunity to share that in our schools. School is a training ground. We're there to learn. And I would say we've heard the word discipleship tonight already. Um, and I would say that we are in the business of becoming disciples that's what Jesus called us to be, a disciple. And a disciple requires discipline. Now, when a teacher talks about discipline, we talk about study and hard work and planning and structuring all of your time and so on. But I can honestly hand in heart say that for me, learning to disciple and to, uh, to take time to be honest with God. When I think back of my teenage years, school was, I had a brilliant time at school and SU was a massive part of that. But I fluctuated a lot of times between feeling proud of myself as a Christian and guilty. If I read the Bible some days, I'd take it off and I'd launch into school feeling like, of course God loves me. I am awesome. I read the Bible before I got on the bus. <laughs> Go me. But the many days that I didn't, that rolled into months that I didn't, I just allowed myself to feel guilty and feel like, well, why would God even look at me, let alone love me? Because I can't even take a couple of minutes to read. But I viewed reading the Bible completely wrong. I viewed it as though God was a sticker chart, that every day I could get my sticker and bounce into the day feeling like I'd done God a favor. God doesn't want to meet with us. He doesn't want you to read his word for us to feel good. He does it because he wants us to know him. And it's only really in recent years that I've learned to and been exposed to other people reading God's word slowly and taking time over it. Not necessarily reading a verse and then reading what other people say, but allowing God to use his word to speak to us. 
And there's an amazing opportunity in your SU groups to do that together, to take time to read and to pray together, to see things change in us and then through us. What an amazing privilege. What a brilliant training ground for whatever your summer or your future, your university, your career, your marriage, your whatever has in store for you. To not waste that precious time. We're structured. That's what schools are. The bell goes, you know where you're at. Period one, break time, lunch time, whatever. A bell goes and you're trained to know what's happening. Why not build into your day now when you have the time? A time to be quiet, to be still, and to pray. And if you can't record things, jot things down so that you can say, God answered that prayer. I was worried about that test, that friendship, uh, that issue with my parents or whatever. And record it so that then you can look back and say, do you know what, God, that is awesome that you answered that. Share that with people. Um, we have a Titos and Testimony Day in SU frequently. And that's just where the floor is opened. We feed them and then we allow girls just to share their story. It can be of how they came to faith. It can be what God's doing this week. It could be about an experience that they've had. But your story is incredible and sharing that is a real blessing. So get involved. Be discipled. Be serious about our faith. Take time. Allow God to speak to us. Friendships will be richer, I guarantee it. Your experience of God will be deeper. Uh, your love for him will be more. But your experience of him will be all the richer for kind of getting involved. So take time, I urge you. Get involved. Pray. Be creative. Um, and grab all those opportunities that are there. And if your school doesn't allow you to do SU kind of assemblies, then at Christmas and Easter in particular, go to somebody in, in senior management and say, can we, can we do a little assembly? It is scary. There's no doubt about it. It's frightening to stand up in front of people and to share your faith, to sing a song, to do a drama, to do a skit, to do whatever. It's not easy, but doing it together is easier. And when you do it, it's incredibly powerful. So I urge you to get involved, learn, um, take time to disciple yourself. Um, your life will be richer for it. But God is in the business of changing us. And when he changes us, people notice. The big events are great. And I'll leave you with one final kind of thought. The big events are great. The kind of the SU days, the SU weekends, the retreats or whatever are brilliant. But you're also in school as a pupil. There's rules, there's regulations, there's uniform policy, there's behavior policy, homework policy. Too many times I've been in the staff room and I've heard staff say things like this. I thought Sally was in the SU. She hasn't handed in her homework for three days. Or those girls are always late to my class and then they say they've been at a prayer meeting. Our challenge as Christians in schools is not just to be in the SU and to do those big events, to do the things that are on show, um, or to invite people to an SU group. I challenge you as a teacher that your calling in school is to live your life in school as a Christ follower. And that does mean that you're being watched by people. Those non-Christian teachers that you have are looking to you as the only experience of Jesus that they may ever see. So getting your homework in on time, being punctual, being on time, wearing your uniform the way you're meant to, all of those things actually matter. It sounds really trivial and it sounds like I'm in assembly giving you a lecture about behavior and uniform, but it counts. And it's when your life reflects the words that you say, that's when faith is really powerful. But when they can pick holes and say, she said that she loves Jesus and she did that awesome thing, but actually day to day, She's not being like how she said she should be. That unfortunately does 
really damage um, reputations and it can really impact um, how you are in school. So I would urge you to, to live out your faith. I'll leave you with one final story. When I was in year nine, I was um, 12, I wasn't a bad kid, but I was a little bit mischievous and very easily led. A substitute teacher came to my history class. We love sub-teachers, don't we? They're easy pickings. They're asking for it, really. They come in all fresh face going, hi, and you're like, happy days. <laughs> and they turn up, and they try to do some kind of let's get to know each other games, which you don't want to do. So you pretend to be your friend. So every time they call the register, you're, you become someone else. And in a co-ed school that I went to, which just means there's boys and girls, that was hilarious. You know, Sally, here. Um, <laughs> and so we'd mix up the room, we'd mix up the location, and of course, we started just to get a bit hyper. And then this particular day, I can't even remember for the life of me her name. Uh, but she came in and she tried to control us and she tried to kind of get us on side and she tried to be really lovely about it and thinking back my heart breaks for her but we had the best time ever it ended up with somebody in a bin it ended up with one girl wearing a filing block um, and there was just too much paper on the floor to even explain what had happened and in the chaos she kind of just comes up to me and she goes what's that on your blazer of course i thought it was yogurt um so i'm kind of going what what, what where where because someone had thrown me yogurt um and I was like, what? And she was like, that badge, what is that badge? And I was like, um, and of course the whole room went silent. And I look at her and I go, it's my BB badge. And she just turned to me and she said, well, can I ask you to either take it off or live by the standards of the BB? That was the reaction, silence. She had cut through my hypocrisy She'd cut through the fact that on one hand I was saying, I'm part of something that stands for biblical principles, but on the other hand, I'm just like everyone else. If we trust in Jesus, we're not like everybody else. We are different, and trying to blend in only muddies the water. There was silence for a moment, and then there was a, oh, she got you, and she got me. And from that moment on, Every time I put on my blazer, she reminded me that I'm saying I live by a different standard, and it challenged me to do that. It challenged me that if I'm going to say I'm part of something that seeks to send a message of Christ and of change and of grace to other people, then I really better live by the standards that I speak of or the standards that I represent. And my prayer is for you that you do the same, but the joy is in SU, in BB or GB, um, in your um, other organizations, you get to do that together. So I urge you to get involved and make a difference. Thank you. Or trust the teacher, the band is going to come now and lead us in worship.
Well, my wife didn't need these trousers tonight, and so I was able to wear them. So Andy Frame, my good friend, I'm going to disconnect him from my phone. We're going to banish his number, and I'm never going to help him out to speak again. I thought they were quite nice, but obviously Andy didn't think that they were nice. But it's great to be able to speak to you tonight. And I want to ask, is there anyone here that's 19? Anyone here that's 19? Well, according to Northern Ireland statistics, you have lived 25% of your life. Apparently, the average woman in Northern Ireland lives 81 and a half years. And men who are not as strong as women only last 77 years. Is there anybody here that's 38 or close to 38? Andy Frame. Well, he's close to 38. He's nearly lived 50% of his life. And one of the joys of being a pastor, although you wouldn't think I'm a pastor by trousers that I'm wearing, is that I get a great joy and a great privilege is that I'm able to visit babies when they're born. It's amazing. You kind of, when everything's sort of done and dusted and cleaned up, I can sort of make my way in and I do make sure the coast is clear. And I go in and it's lovely to meet the new parents with their baby. They're just delighted. But there's been about two or three times in my years of being a pastor where I go to the Ulster Hospital over the maternity ward. I visit a couple with a newborn baby, and then I make the journey over to the, to the main wards, and there is someone that's about to die. And sometimes as I drive away, and I think about the two experiences and the two visits, and I think about this life that we have to live, I, I wonder what's going to happen to that little baby. How are they going to live their life? Are they going to waste it, or are they going to use it for God's glory? Many older people who talk to me before they die, often they'll say to me, not Johnny, I wish I had made more money. Johnny, I I wish that I had more holidays. I I wish I had a bigger house or I wish I had faster cars or I wish I had more education or, or more success. Do you know what they often say to me? Johnny, I wish I'd done more for Christ. Johnny, I wish I had done more for Christ. And there's a guy in the Bible called the Apostle Paul. And he wrote a letter to the church at Philippi. And in the first letter, in the first chapter, 17 times he talks about Jesus Christ. And in Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, listen to what he said. He said, the whole purpose of my life is this. For me to live in this world is for Jesus Christ. And to die would begin. You see, this guy had it all. He was once known as Saul of Tarsus. He was one of the most educated guys of his day. If he had gone to Glen Lola, he would have been the, well, it would have been strange being a guy going to Glen Lola, but he would have been one of the top guys. He would have enjoyed tea and toast and testimonies. In fact, he would have had, in a sense, the best testimony as a, as a Jewish guy. He had reached the top of his class. Everyone revered him. As he walked along the corridors, as he stood under under a great teacher called Gamaliel, everyone loved Saul. He was the person that everyone wanted to be a friend on Facebook with if they had it back then. 
And one day as a guy in his late 20s, early 30s, he was, he was marching up a road in Damascus and he was going to kill Christians. He hated Christianity because he was so zealous to be a Jew, to work his way up to God. And suddenly a light from heaven flashed all around him. And he heard these words, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's not good for you to kick against the goats. And Saul knew it was Jesus speaking to him. And from that moment on, on the Damascus Road, Saul's life as a young, aspiring 20 and 30-year-old, living his life to please himself, to reach the top of the ladder, suddenly Saul raised the purpose of his life in his mind. And he realized that his purpose for his life was to live for Jesus Christ. So the question I want to answer in just a few minutes tonight is this. What's the purpose of your life? I remember the meetings with the career people, the career teachers at school. And as a 15 and 16 year old at Methody, they used to say to me, Johnny, what do you want to do with your life? And I used to just say, rugby. <laughs> and uh, this politics female teacher looked at me and thought, <clears throat> rugby? I said, yeah, rugby, I wanna be a rugby player. And that's all I ever wanted to do and pursued that career vigorously and thought that I would be able to make it, but never did. But that's all I wanted to do with my life. But you know, I would love to rewind the clock back and if they asked me that question, Johnny, what do you want to do with your life? I'd love to be able to say to them, I want to be a sold out missionary of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me, you mean you don't want to be a doctor? You don't want to be a, a lawyer? You don't want to be... He said, well, I don't mind if I'm a doctor, if I'm a lawyer, or if I'm a bin man, but the one thing that I want to do, whatever job I'm in, is to be a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ. And you know, if we say that tonight, then you and I won't waste our lives. If we're able to say tonight that as a young person in our teenage years or in our early 20s, if we say that we believe that the purpose of our life is to be a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ, you will not waste your life. You say, but Johnny, I, I, I'm too young to worry about all those questions. I mean, if I'm around 15 or 16, I maybe have maybe 80% of my life left. I'll worry about that when I get a little bit older. But Solomon, one of the wisest men the world has ever seen or heard, said this in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. He said, remember your creator when? In the days of your youth. For when you get old, you will stop remembering him. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. And so as you come here tonight and you're in the days of your youth and you're thinking about this desire that you don't want to waste your life, God, I believe, is speaking to each one of us tonight and he says, I want the goal of your life to be a sold out follower of Jesus Christ. Many people come to me and they say, Johnny, I don't know whether to change job. I don't know what university to go to. Can you give me any advice? If I was able to give that advice, I wouldn't be a pastor and I would make a lot of money. But I remember an older godly man saying this to me one time when I was trying to choose which university to course to go on, thinking about the purpose of my life. He said to me, Johnny, God doesn't care where you are. He cares about who you are. 
He says, Johnny, God doesn't care about where you are necessarily, but he cares about who you are. And so when you look through the Bible, you see character after character who say that the goal of their life is to be a sold-out follower of God, and wherever they are, that's who they are, a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's all well and good, but what about, what about Jesus? What did Jesus say the purpose of my life was to be? Well, as he met with the disciples before he went back to be with his father, he, he gave them his pep talk. Now, I've been a sports player my whole life, and I've had many pep talks or last-minute talks from the coach before you go out into the battlefield, so to speak. And, and Jesus was given his, his last speech, his last uh, act with his disciples before he went to heaven. And he told them the purpose for their lives. In fact, he's told every Christ follower the purpose for their life in Matthew 28, verse 18. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, what do I do now? He says, therefore, go. Go where? Go and make disciples. Okay, where? Of all nations. Okay, what else would I do? Baptizing them. Okay, in what way? In the name of the Father and of the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you, God says, until the very end of the age. And so whether you're in Glenlula or whether you're in the academy or whether you're in Bambridge or whether you're in Belfast, whatever school that you're in, God is saying that I have placed you there to be a Christ follower, to be a light for me. That's his purpose for your life right now. That's your purpose until Christ calls you home or until he returns. You say, but that's all well and good for for Jesus to say those things. But did God model those things? Was God a missionary? Yes, he was. Think about John 3.16. For God so loved this world that he gave his one and his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So think about this, as I'm calling you tonight to be a missionary for Jesus Christ, wherever he has placed you, whatever school that he's placed you in, he's not just a God that speaks to us, he's a God that acts and has acted. Jesus Christ came into this world as the first missionary. And you say, well, what did then Jesus say apart from Matthew 28, verse 18? I know those words are quite familiar to me. But Jesus also spoke to his disciples before he would go back. And he said these amazing words. He said to his disciples, he says, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Isn't that amazing? That's where we get the word missions from. The Greek word is apostolos. It means a sent one, an, an apostle. And so Jesus was saying to his disciples, as God the Father sent me from eternity past, from the courts of heaven into this world to save a lost humanity, so now I'm sending you into all the world. That is the purpose for your life, is to be one of my sent ones. But you know, if you are like me, you'll notice that the culture that we live in does not say that that's the purpose of your life. I think many of us growing up in Northern Ireland have heard that the purpose of our life is to succeed, is to climb the ladder, 
perhaps to do well in sport, to do well in education, to do well in music. And all of those things aren't bad things. But often in our culture, we elevate those things to being supreme, to being the goal. And unless you succeed in those areas, you have failed. And then I've noticed when you kind of move out of your teenage years into your early 20s then, there seems to be this goal of comfort. Settle down. Buy a house. Get a car. Get married. Live like your parents do in your early 20s and you'll be happy. Well, can I say as a really old man of 30, I have some of those things, and they're good, but they do not satisfy me. Many of my peers who don't know Jesus Christ, they think that those things will truly satisfy them, and yet they turn to more and more things in order to find true satisfaction for their souls. And Jesus knew all about that. Jesus knew that every teenager and every young adult who are trying to make it in this world, whether it was 2,000 years ago or today, he knew that we will always try the next thing to, to find satisfaction for our life, to try and find the purpose for our lives. And so one day as Jesus was speaking to a large crowd, he said this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me, come to me, all of you who are weary, and heavy laden, and you will find rest for your souls. How many people I talk to who are restless? They've got good jobs. They've got big houses. They've got fast cars. And yet in their, in their moments of silence and solitude, they're going, is, is this really the purpose for my life? And those things aren't bad things. But unless you're a sold out follower for Jesus Christ with those things, they shall mean nothing to you. And so I want to leave you with five quick points as to how not to waste your life. Five quick points as to why not to waste your life. Firstly, don't waste God's amazing grace. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. If you're a Christian tonight, you have received the most amazing gift the world has or ever will see. Paul the apostle couldn't get over it up to the moment he died. He said that for me, the chief of sinners, when he went to bed at night and he could hear the screams of the Christians that he had killed and he had persecuted, the fact that God would be so rich in grace that he would save him. But you would see it was, it was that grace that the apostle Paul, every, every morning he got up and he was having whatever he had back 2,000 years ago for his breakfast. What motivated him to go and serve Jesus Christ that day was grace. God's amazing love for us. Don't waste it. Secondly, don't waste God's gifting in your life. Listen to what 
1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says, when you become a Christian and you receive the grace of God into your life, the Bible then says that you're given a gift in the body of Christ. In 1 Peter 4 verse 10, it says this, each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God might be praised through Jesus Christ. You may not think it. And many people say to me, John, I don't have a gift. I love to say to them, if you're a Christian, you're wrong. The Bible says that when you become a Christian, by God's grace, you're then placed into the body of Jesus Christ. And you're given a gift. Some people it's serving behind the scenes. Some people it's teaching. Some people it's helping. Some people it's praying with others. Some people it's administration. There are over 29 gifts in the New Testament. And if you don't want to waste your life, you can't waste God's grace and you cannot waste your gift. You can't hide it. You've got to use it for God's kingdom. The third thing is don't waste God's gift of sexuality. Don't waste God's gift of sexuality. Listen to what the Bible says about sexuality. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18 has words which are so helpful for all of us, but particularly us in our younger years. Paul writes, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are, you're not your own. You hear that? The purpose for your life, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. See, the Bible has a great imagery. Before you were a Christian, the Bible says that you were someone that was without a spiritual family. You were an orphan. And in the picture in Paul's day was that you would, in a sense, be like a slave. You'd be off to the side. You, you were on your own. And then a master would walk into the market, and they would look at all the slaves, and then he would look at the one that he would want, and he would pick that person out of the slave line and say, you're now going to be part of my family. And that's what God has done with each one of us if we're a Christian. We were at one time without Jesus Christ. We were slaves to our own sin, perhaps slave to sexual immorality. God says, I don't want you to waste your life in those things. I want you to flee from those things. And I want you to be a slave of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it again. People talk to me. You wouldn't believe how many people talk to me, but when you're a pastor, people just seem to. And within this whole area of sexuality, many single people say to me, Johnny, if only I had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, then I'd be truly happy. Married people say to me, if only I wasn't married, I'd be truly happy. So if you don't want to waste your life, who's right and who's wrong? There are struggles in our singleness. There are struggles in our marriage. So how can we find the right view of God's perspective in sexuality. 
Paul the Apostle wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians 4 verse 12. And he said this, I have learned the secret of contentment. Whether I'm well fed or hungry, whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor, I can do all things through, through whom? Through Christ who strengthens me. So in this whole area of sexuality, when, when your body is screaming out for sexual fulfillment and, and Satan and all of the principalities and powers of darkness come into your life and they urge you to, to go away apart from the paths of Jesus Christ and your body is screaming out to follow the cultural tide and to follow whatever your friends are doing, the Bible speaks to us and says, don't waste your life there. It will give you moments of satisfaction but only a relationship with Jesus Christ will give you true satisfaction and contentment. Whether you're single or whether you're married, the secret is to find contentment in the whole area of sexuality. So don't waste God's grace in your life. Don't waste God's gifting. Don't waste God's gift of sexuality. And then fourthly and fifthly, don't waste God's inspired book. If you're like me, so often I take for granted the Bible, that it's, that it's here, and so often it, it gathers dust in my room. It sits beside me and kind of calls out to me sometimes, and, and I just so often ignore him. But I want to close tonight with a story of two different people who didn't waste God's inspired book. You know, missionaries, when they would go to the mission field about 100 years ago, they didn't get in a plane. They got in a boat. And in those days when you were a missionary, you often didn't live more than two years in the mission field. So if you're a 20-year-old tonight, and many of them were 20, when they left for the mission field, particularly to Africa, they would have brought their belongings in their collections in a, in a box. And that box was their coffin. And down at the boatyard, the Christians that would have met with them there would have used to sing a song and it would have gone, God be with us until we meet again. Because you see, those 20-year-olds didn't waste God's grace. They didn't waste God's gifting in their life. They didn't waste God's gift of sexuality. They didn't waste God's gift of marriage or singleness. And they didn't waste God's book. In fact, the reason that they were standing as a 20-year-old at those docks, knowing that in a couple of years they were going to die in this world because they believed the Bible where it says, for me to live in this world is for Jesus Christ. And actually to die would begin. But there was a girl who just passed away not so long ago as a missionary in Iraq. Also brought her belongings with her, but she also left a letter with her pastor. It's called the last letter. But the pastor was only to open it if she died. And listen to the letter that she wrote to her pastor. Dear pastor, you should only be opening this letter in the event of my death. When God calls, there are no regrets. I tried to share my heart with you as much as possible, my heart for God's people and the nations. I wasn't called to a place I, 
I was called to him. To obey was my objective. To suffer was expected. His glory was my reward. But the missionary heart cares more than some think is wise, risks more than some think is safe, dreams more than some thinks is practical, expects more than some thinks is possible. I was not called to comfort. I wasn't called to success, but I was called to obedience to His Word. Pastor, tell the people at my funeral there is no joy outside of knowing Jesus and serving Him. You know, if you're a 13-year-old tonight, that's the greatest piece of information you can ever know. That the true place that you will only find satisfaction is in the heart of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells me, and it'll tell you if you read it tonight, that each one of us will one day stand at, and it sounds a bit scary, at, at, at the judgment seat of Christ. And it's my prayer that as you've listened to these things tonight, and as I've challenged myself in preparation, that when I'm standing in the judgment seat of Christ, that, that I won't be worrying, I won't be thinking I've wasted it, but that I would, I long to hear those words, well done, good, and faithful servant, enter in to my master's happiness. The challenge I leave you with is another martyr missionary for Jesus Christ who wrote this letter. Some of you have heard it before. The night before they were martyred for him. He said, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision's been made. I'm a disciple of his and I won't look back. I won't let up. I won't slow down. I, I won't back away. I won't be still. My past is redeemed. My, my present makes sense. My future is secure. I, I'm done and I'm finished with low living. Sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame vision, mundane talking, cheap giving and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right. First, tops, recognized, praised, or rewarded. I live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, lift up by prayer, and labor by the Holy Spirit's power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road might be narrow. My way might be rough. My companions will be few, but my guide is reliable, and my mission is clear. I won't be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pull of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up or let up until I've stayed up, stored up, and prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Jesus Christ. And then listen to how they finish. I am, he said, this is the purpose of his life, I am a disciple of Jesus. I must give until I drop. Preach until all know. Work until he returns. And when he comes for his own, He'll have no problem recognizing me 
my colors will be clear. My prayer tonight is that even someone is being called. Called to the full-time mission field. And you know, that's everyone. Wherever you will go, wherever you get your paycheck, God will just put it through different sources. But the main goal, wherever he places you, is to be a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ. So let's just have a few moments, pause. The team are going to come and lead us in our final couple of songs. But I just want there to be a few moments of silence. And if you felt like God is speaking to you, shaping you, molding you, these are the moments to come to him in, in confession. Perhaps there's areas of your life which aren't submitted to him. And then I'll, and then I'll pray and then hand over to the team. Father, we come with the Apostle Paul tonight and we just even in the silence echo his words. Whatever was profit to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. In fact, tonight, Father, many of us want to say that we consider all things a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Help our soul passion in our lives to want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, so becoming like him in his death. Help us, Father, with the Apostle Paul tonight to Forget whatever lies behind. The sexual sin in our past, the many sins in our past, the good things and the achievements in our past. Help us to forget by your grace whatever lies behind. And tonight, as we have sought not to waste our lives, to press on towards the goal to win the prize. And how, Father, we long, even if we're just teenagers here tonight, to, to finish this race on this earth. And to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, on our last day in this earthly world, which is just like a mist, Father, to say that I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And how we long to be able to say, Father, not now the crown of righteousness awaits us. So help us as teenagers tonight and young adults here tonight to live tonight as if it was our last day, as if tomorrow will be our last day, so that all might know your glorious good news. In your name we pray.
Thank you to the band. Um, thank you to Pastor Johnny for really challenging us uh, not to waste our lives. To Mr. Harding, challenging us and inspiring us. Will you really? Um, don't waste your time in school. The Exodus guys, don't waste your summer. Um, these guys will be about to chat to you afterwards. There's pizza. It's here. Can you smell it? Yes, smells good. And um, we also have some guys from Coaching for Christ and also Mission Africa who'll be about out there to chat to. Thank you to you as well for being here. Let me pray and then you can go out the door to the back or else the one over to that side. And there's pizza out both doors. And don't forget to get your free book on the way out. Um, God, we thank you that you've spoken to us through the different uh, people involved tonight. Um, different messages from different people for different people. Um, all about building your kingdom wherever it may be, whether it's overseas, in this country, in our school, um, in our families. And we pray that as we go from this, this place, whatever it is that you've said to us will stay with us and that will bring some sort of change um, to our lives. And as a lot of these guys prepare to go back to school, that even in the coming days you'll use them as your missionaries. We thank you for this time together and also the opportunity to worship you. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.